Yes. <laughs> today, today, I just wanted to talk to you about the, this idea that that God is big, and um, there's a few blank stares in here already. I think people assume that they already know that. I think the point that I'd like to make, um, and that I have realised recently, is that I really don't. You know, I really don't um, know how big God is, how powerful God is, all there is to comprehend about him. Um, and I feel like I really need to not know. I need him to be um, as great as he is, as powerful as he is in order to you know, be powerful to um, affect my life. Um, so I know it sounds simple, but I think it's easy to forget. And I think um, a byproduct of us trying to downsize God to be able to fit him into our minds is that um, we, we make him small. And, and unfortunately what that does is that um, it, it, it basically, it means that we lack faith because we, we have a small God and I need God to be powerful. I need him to be powerful in my life. Um, this week during the study, we were reading about Job and there's a moment where um, Job's suffering and God decides that it's a moment for him to, to remember how big God is. And uh, God goes through a few things with Job and Job's response is, um, is this. He says, I had heard of you only by the hearing of the ear, but now my spiritual eye sees you. And I think growing up, I think I came to this sense that I thought I knew God. I thought I knew his greatness, his bigness um, because of the hearing of my ear. And, you know, I grew up going to church and I had read the Bible and I guess I started to form this picture of who this God was, but, I think what's amazing about God in, in his bigness and his greatness is that he continues to be a mystery. He continues to be um, undiscovered in certain senses and there's always something to discover about him. And when we think that we um, are able to capture all of him, there's, there's more to, to learn, there's more to know of him. And so I wanted to, I guess I wanted to, I don't want to you know, convince you of this, I think, um, I, I think I just want to read um, just a little passage. And I think it'd be great um, just as I'm reading, if we could maybe just consider this idea that we possibly have put on, um, we put on this understanding or this lens of God that we feel like we, we could grasp him, that we feel like we could know him. So if you can just maybe, maybe try and look at him with fresh eyes, maybe, maybe try and consider that God is someone that we cannot wrap our heads around. He's too great. He's, he's too big. Um, so let's read um, Genesis 1. It says, In the beginning, God, Elohim, created by forming from nothing the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and void, or a waste and emptiness, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. The Spirit of God was moving, hovering, brooding over the face of the waters. And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. God saw that the light was good, pleasing, useful, and he affirmed and sustained it. And God separated the light, distinguishing it from the darkness. And God called the light day and the darkness he called night. And there was evening and there was morning. One day. I'm going to skip to day four, which says, Then God said, Let there be light bearers, sun, moon, stars, in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night. And let them be useful for signs, tokens of God's provident care and for making seasons, days, and light on earth. And it was so, just as he commanded. God made the two great lights, the greater light, the sun, to rule the day and the lesser light, the moon, to rule the night. He made the galaxies, stars also, 
that is all amazing wonders in the heavens. God placed them in the expanse of heavens to provide light upon the earth, to rule over the day and the night, to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good and he affirmed and sustained it. And there was evening and there was morning, a fourth day. And I'll pull up there and we know that um, God continues on to, to create man, to create us. But I think I got caught on those two um, because I realized that I was reading them that God created light uh, on the first day, but he didn't create the source of the light until the fourth day. I thought that was interesting. And in his greatness, only God could comprehend how that could work. But um, the other thing that really caught me out on that was it says that God sustained it. And, and in all of his creation, he's sustaining it. And then he talks about you know, the stars and the galaxies. And I think you know, what I can look up in the sky and see at night, which is unclear during the day, is that there is so much more that I can see um, than, that I can't see. Sorry, you know, if you've ever been looking up at the sky on a, on a clear night and you're looking at that band of light that is actually, you know, part of our galaxy, which is the Milky Way. And, and there's, as the band comes together in the, in the brightest part of the light, it's actually because the stars in our galaxy have become so dense in that part that you can't see individual stars anymore. It's just the brightness of the light that is so many stars in our galaxy. And I was reading recently, you know, Keep in mind, this is we're talking about a big God. I was reading recently that they estimate that there are 100 billion stars in our galaxy alone. Yeah, we have a big God and he sustains all of it. And then I kept reading and to my surprise, the, the numbers just get more and more staggering. And, um, you know, if you imagine that each of those stars, you know, we can see only a snapshot looking up at the sky at night, but each of those stars has potentially planets orbiting it just like our solar system with moons and a bunch of rocks or whatever else is out there and then um there's a number that as well that i just couldn't comprehend it, it, it has a name but essentially it's 100 trillion no 100 billion trillion which is the number of galaxies that they estimate are out there which you get to that point and you think is that even possible that the god of the universe could sustain it you know, we know that the Bible says, um, you know, uh, it was for him and through him that all things were created and in him all things hold together. And that, that's reiterated here in that um, it says, you know, God's creation is sustained by him. And so if I think about what that means, I think that he's not um, unaware of his own creation. He's not separate. He's present in amongst all of it, always. You know, he says in the Bible that every hair and a head is numbered and so from the the largest to the smallest he is aware and present and when you think about those numbers and you think about who he is I think at some point you just have to stop trying to comprehend and recognize that with this human brain there is no way that I could take in his creation I just can't he's just too big you know we serve a big God God is big and you know we're just talking about his creation if I think about, um, you know, we, we, we talk about artists, you know, we, we, we see their art and we, we try and decipher what the art means and it, it's an expression of themselves. Um, but the, we don't say that the art is more complex than the artist. You know, the, it, it took an artist to create the art. And so, you know, if you think of the greatness and the wonder and the bigness of the universe and we look at that as God's handiwork, his artwork, then in comparison, he himself must be far more complex. 
and yet I can't even come to understand or gauge in any way the complexity of just his creation. And I think, I think that fills me with confidence. It fills me with confidence because when I think about his greatness and his bigness, I recognise his power and I recognise that he is able um, to move powerfully in my life and it, and it builds my faith. And it makes me realise that there is so much more to discover about his creation and, and about him. God is big, but if God is big, then I think this is the, this is the second point I want to make and it's, um, uh, it's equally as mind-blowing as the first topic. Um, it sounds silly again, but God is good. God is big and God is good because if it was just big but he wasn't good, he might be scary. He might be scary to me if he didn't care but he was big and all-powerful. Well, that doesn't help me. And if he's completely good, but he has no power, well, that's no good to me either. I need a big God and I need him to be good. You know, I was thinking about um, Jesus being tempted. And I think, um, you know, Jesus basically stands up and says, hey, this is who I am. And then immediately goes out into the wilderness to be tempted. I thought, gee, that's an interesting, that's an interesting first step. But um, I think what he displays in his weakness, you know, he's come from being all powerful to completely physically weak. And then in reliance, in humility, relying on God, on God's power, proves himself to be completely good, which is really, when you think about it, the most outrageous act of display of power, that you could be completely good in a completely weakened, weakened state. I just wanted to... I want to read um, from Psalm 8, 8, 3 to 6. And this is, this is David having a similar thought. He says, When I see and consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have established, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of the earthborn man that you care for him? I think that's a logical thought. I think if you think about what we just discussed, if you think about the greatness of God in all of his creation, that we can only comprehend a small amount of that which is only his artwork. And we start to question, well, who is this being? Who is this God who then has this incredible goodness, this incredible love, who would give up his son, who would make a great sacrifice, who would point all of that towards you, towards me? God is big, but God is good. And he proved it when he came and he died for us. And then he called us his children. Now, I think, I think the first time I realised that um, this idea that being God's child was a new concept to those people in Jesus' time, I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure Brad actually taught, taught me that. So I do listen to you, mate. Thank you for that, for that little one. Yeah, thumbs up. Back to you. Um, and I, I've thought about that a lot since because it's kind of that, discovery piece that I was talking about you know we never stop discovering something about God how can we he's just so big but he's just so good you know the people of the time didn't know that God saw us that way that this incredible love was pointed towards us and so when you when you think about this idea that he's so big and so powerful and yet so good you can understand why in Romans Paul writes that you know if God is for us then who can be against us 
you know, what confidence should I be able to have that God is big and that he's good and that he proved it when he came to die on the cross for me? That is incredible. You know, if the stats about his creation were mind-blowing. The fact that he would then point all of his love towards me <sighs> and decide that I was the one that he would be so profoundly infatuated with that he would give up so much just to find a place with me. That is staggering. That's just amazing. And Paul goes on in the same, in the same um, chapter and says, uh, he, talks, he, he talks about it. He says, well, if God's for us, who can be against us? And then joins the dots just like David did. And he said, neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present and threatening, nor things to come, nor power, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the unlimited love of God which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. God is big. God's power is beyond measure. It's unlimited. We cannot even comprehend it. And his love is the same. His love is completely unlimited. And I need him to be both. I need him to be big and good. Because if he's just big, that doesn't help me. And if he's just good, then that doesn't help me either. But he's both. We serve a God of unlimited bigness and unlimited goodness and he takes all that he is all his greatness and in all the mystery that he is he makes one thing clear <clears throat> that we are his children and then he points all of that goodness towards us anyway you've got some uh you've got a sheet there in your room uh, with some questions on it we're going to go away and just chat amongst ourselves now um, about this idea that god is big and good and how they play off together and then we're going to come back shortly and Brad's going to hit us with something else to chew on. So let's have a chat. Good. James, thank you for such a profound uh, title. And, uh, you know, we've, we've, our lives have been changed by the revelation today that God is big and good. Uh, you know, I think the truth of the matter is there, uh, they're the kind of things we need to be uh, thinking about, you know, like I think, I think we have some misconceptions that in the obvious category uh and um yeah what a, what a great thing to reflect on did it did any of the rooms did anybody in any of the rooms you're gonna have to practice unmuting and things like that if we if it, if it's not too clunky but did anybody did anybody have any thoughts that sort of came out in your room that you just feel like oh yeah let's share that that was a good thought or somebody said something that was really helpful or jesus reflection on what james was sharing was really cool mm -hmm. The big barrier, that mute button, I know. There we go. We have a winner. <laughs> we have a winner. Lay it on us. What you guys got there, Ali? This is, um for those of you that haven't met these guys, this is Jack and Danny, our friends from <laughs> New South Wales. Jack, Jack had some great things to share, so throwing him under the bus. <laughs> oh, lay it on us, Jack. Good to see you. Hey guys, yeah, lovely to be here. It's uh, such a blessing mm -hmm. to um, come and yeah, spend some time all together. Hey, in community, it's beautiful. Um, we're just talking about how we're really encouraged by what James uh, shared about how sometimes we have like a tendency to limit uh, God's power and his bigness and actually make him small. Um, and that when we do that, we're actually not living a life filled with trust and bold faith. Um, so just really like felt encouraged to actually be a people 
that actually um, remember how big our God is and that if he is for us, who can be against us, that we can actually be overcomers through his power and through his goodness. Um, so, yeah, and just like what a difference, I think, as Christians, we would make in the world, like as ambassadors of Christ, if we actually don't limit the power of our God and make him fit into a box so we can comprehend him. But if we actually live a life of bold faith in our big God, um, and actually shine like the love of and light of Jesus into the world around us. I think that'd be super powerful. So yeah. thank you, James, for that encouragement. Yeah, yeah cool talk, Jack. Thank you. Yeah. yeah, I really like that. It's a little bit similar to one that Zeke was sharing in our room. It's his fifteen. It's, it's his fifteenth birthday today, so he's back. He's back now. So let's give him a silent shout out. Lift your hands. There's a hip hip hooray. Hoop, 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 hoop. He's growing up. It's good news. His parents are are praying at home. <laughs> 15. This is the business end of the deal now, isn't it? It's also Coco's birthday. Seen beside Zeke as his cousin. They were born like minutes apart on the same day. So we are, we're full birthday swing over here. Thank you. But anyway, Zeke, he was saying, Zeke was saying like, um, you know, it's easy to kind of get the personal side of God and uh, and kind of like, you know, bring him close to make him a friend and and like we need that bit but uh sometimes like the bigness of god can get lost in that because we make him seem a lot like who we are and you know in some senses i think that that was a point you were making james which is really cool so yeah well let me flip the camera so you can oh hello there we go i was gonna say brad to that oh, yeah. um we were just talking in our room too and Carl was just sharing, just saying like how um, I think different our perception maybe of God is even culturally, like like our Western perception of God being big is that he would, you know, get me the big things that I need or, you know, get me the, the stuff that I need or like the perception of like even just where my mind goes, like mm -hmm. God being needing to be big in my life. Um, it, maybe it's different culturally and, the, and that can be you know, and we, I think we can sometimes maybe miss how else God could be big by not considering a wider idea or like a community even, or, um, you know, this, this thing wasn't even birthed in a, in a Western, you know, narcissistic mindset even. Uh, and so just the idea that um, God could be big to us and God could be, um, show himself um, big in some different, in some different ways. Um, so anyway, we were just sort of contemplating that, but I thought that was um, a good thought, like like even our perception of what's big uh, yeah. is so, uh, so narrow and small. Um, yeah, and so it can be difficult to to know, you know, you know what to do with that, and and easier to just box God down into something small because my mind um, can't process the bigness of it. You know. So is this sort of the idea, Curtis, that? the bigness of God is still a self-serving picture. Is that kind of that's that... that's right. Like oftentimes yeah. you can find I need God to be, you know, when I think about the bigness of God, I'm just like, oh, how big can he be in my circumstance? Or the thing that's in front of me, like even because we're so focused on on our small little world all the time. But there's such a big, yeah. you know, it, it's so much wider than even my world. And uh, what yeah. God's doing you know, globally or universally, you know, like it's, mm. it's just it's hard to comprehend. So, yeah. yeah, I guess that's one of the things that comes with right sizing God or seeing him 
as who he is, is that it's like, actually, it's about more than just me, you know? And, and, and I guess like, you know, in the personal, in sort of the personal reflections on who God is, you know, we can kind of like take this idea in that, um, that he did it all for me and it is all about me. And, and there's truth to that, but like, how can we keep God big and, powerful and about so many and so much and that not be a loss that not take something away but it just add you know i think i think that's a difficult thing uh but yeah i really like those thoughts yeah thanks yeah well i guess in in week four we're with the study we're sort of talking about this idea of who am i in, in this relationship as a as a child and i'm sort of jumping into the, the second half of the week i guess um with this idea of of honor and I have this I have I apologize to our room we're kind of gonna have to be one way or the other here so I'll we'll I'll face this way but don't feel don't feel like we're uh giving you the cold shoulder we haven't set ourselves up so fluidly but anyways um yeah this this I have this moment where I was reflecting on um Ella and I I think I've told a piece of this story before but I was sort of reflecting on this idea of Ella and um, it was about six months ago, and I was like, I'm sort of like everything to her right now. Well, except for her mom, I'm nothing to her compared to her mother, but I'm, you know, in the scheme of the world and the people in the world, I'm, you know, I'm a big deal in Ella's world at the moment. I'm, I'm her, in her top two people. That's 100% for sure. And we'll just, we won't debate which which of those spots I'm in, but 100% in the top two people of Ella's life. But I got thinking about it, and I was like, you know what, like, our relationship with our parents changes in time as we become adults. And I was like, you know what? If I do my job really well in Ella's life, I probably won't, won't end up in her top 10. You know, like the goal of my life as Ella's dad isn't that I would be her person. You know, I want her to go on and find a husband and find best friends and find a community of people that she's rolling with and doing really big things with and in the thick of life with. And I want her to have such tight people that, you know, I want her to have something wonderful in, a, in her life. And I feel like it would be a gift if I was, you know, a really supportive and present resource to her in whatever capacity she wanted it to be. But she had such a full and big life that, you know, I'd, I'd moved out a little bit to make room for some wonderful things building in her life. And I was thinking about it and I was thinking, yeah, like, you know, look at my life. I left, I left the country that my parents are in and not because I didn't love them or not because I was running away from them, but because the call of God was taking my life to other things. And, you know, I, I would want Ella to be free to do that if that's what she felt called to do, you know? And, and as I'm reflecting on this, you know, I was thinking like, I'm going to pour the next 16 years of my life from now till she's whatever age into her like totally and completely and i'm telling you like parents we know that parenting is self-sacrificial right like this costs like this costs time and money and emotional energy and lack of sleep and lack of freedom and you know there's all sorts of things and it's a wonderful gift to love sacrificially right like it is that's a that's a gift but i'm going to pour everything into this parenting journey with ella in hopes that she would be free and released to go do with her life whatever she would choose. In hopes that she would be mature and stable and have every advantage to go out and do what she would do. And I was reflecting on it and I was thinking all that would be left 
you know, there's no demand upon Ella that she would uh, acknowledge what had been done. But, but I thought to myself, you know, all that would be left then is an opportunity for her to honor what had been done to advantage her. And then it really backflipped on me. And I started thinking about uh, my own disposition. And, and I guess in this picture, I was hoping that Ella wouldn't forget what her loving dad did for her. In, in the place of freedom, in the place where she's moving on to her big life, I thought, you know, I hope that she won't forget what her loving dad gave to her. And then, you know, I started to reflect on this from a God perspective, and it, it really kind of shocked me. Because it was like, this is my God story. You know, like he has done all of this for me. He has orchestrated a valuable existence. He has brought people into my life. He has uh, brought truth and he's led and guided me. He's provided for me. He's given me opportunities. Like, you know, I, I, the life I live, you know, is not the life of Brad's plans. And I feel like I've been afforded every advantage by a God who has been accomplishing on my behalf. And, and as I started to think about it and put myself into this parent-child relationship, I was like, I don't feel like God wants to hold on to me and he wants to control me or he wants me to sit there and go, you know, thank you for everything you're doing for me. I feel like he wants me to have the freedom to go out and live like the same heart that I was feeling that I had for Ella. But what I have as an opportunity in the place that I find myself is to honor God for who he is, for what he's done, and for the place that I find myself because of him. And I'm not sure I do. I'm not sure. I'm not sure that I, I don't just imagine that I've done this myself from time to time. You know, that I have independently made my own way or that I've found a good path or that I'm a smart person who does good things or I'm a, you know, whatever, uh, you know, and I mean, we have a, we have been promoted such an independent picture of life, like go make something of yourself and go accomplish something and, you know, do whatever it is that you can do to, to succeed. And, and then we think that the success is ours and, you know, somebody behind the scenes was accomplishing something positioning us, moving us. I can't take credit for the decisions that I've made. I can't, I honestly, I can't. Uh, it's a God who has been orchestrating and moving. I really love the way that Leela tells her life story. Like she says, I'm not sure, like, cause I would say that I was on a journey where I chose God. You know, but the way that Leela describes her journey is she looks at some moments in her life and she go, I cannot explain why that's what I did or that's what I didn't do. You know, and, and she goes, it's, there's a hand of God on my life that was guiding and protecting and establishing. And it's like, you know, without question. And it's like, what is it as his kids now, you know, like Ella, she's not going to see everything that I did. I don't see everything that God's been doing. I can't, it's, it's, it's not possible. And, and that's not what he's in it for. But what does it look like to acknowledge in this place of being his kids that we have a father 
who is powerful and active and present in our story, in our life, in the machinations of what's going on, and to honor that and go, I am who I am because I have a God who loves me. I am where I am because I have a God who loves me. I have the opportunities before me because of a God who's opened ways and made ways. And I, I, I think, you know, for me, uh, this verse in James chapter one, verse 17 to 18, you know, really, really sums this idea up. And it says, every good thing given and every perfect gift is from above. It comes down from the father of lights, the creator and sustainer of the heavens in whom there is no variation, no rising or setting or shadow cast by his turning for he is perfect and never changes. It was, his, it was of his own will that he gave us birth and as his children by the word of truth so that we would be a kind of first fruits of his creatures, a prime example of what he created to be set apart to himself, sanctified, made holy for his divine purposes. You know, it's, it's, it's like there is this, of every perfect thing, in my life has come from him. That is an unquestionable truth. You know, my relationship with Leela, the fact that I'm still married, the fact that we have a daughter, the fact that we have what we need to put food on the table, the fact that I have any sense in my life of value or purpose or direction, every good gift in my life has come from him. And I feel like, I feel like today, let's take a minute to be reminded of this. And, and yes, we don't have everything that we would want. You know, we don't have everything that we think would be fulfilling. But when we come to trust the fact that we have a father who is pouring out every good and perfect gift, it's one of the things that we talked about here. Lisa brought it up sort of in that first one. And it's like, sometimes I feel like the, the, the good thing that my powerful and present God is helping me with isn't helping at all. You know, it's like sometimes in our own limitations, we think that something else would be better or some other situation or circumstance or occurrence would trump this. But I think when we really begin to trust and honor and recognize the experiences that we've had of a God who's bringing about perfect and good gifts in our life, and they are from him. Uh, and we are who we are because of him. And we are where we are because of him when we are those who are seeking the heart of God and the path that he has for us. And yeah, I think this is a simple thought. You know, and so I suppose we have the the series of uh, of simple thoughts tonight, and and really we're focusing on being on being his kids. So so why should why should it be anything but that? But I think the 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 thought to to leave us with is you know where where is the place of honor in what it is that God's been doing up to this point in our life, and how He's positioned us, and how He has come about, and and, and maybe. You know, maybe that's a tricky question because maybe there are some unfinished pieces in our stories, or maybe there are some places and spaces where we feel like there was no perfect gift when a perfect gift was needed. And look, there's there's space in that conversation in this conversation for that too. But you know, e even with my own parents, like how easy is it to focus on what what they weren't or what what I perceived not to be there? And honor is the opportunity to stop and pause and reflect on where we have seen it. And so it's it's like I'd say, let's set some of those things aside for a minute in our relationship with God and go, where has a good and powerful and big and present God shown up in my world and uh, 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 and given the, the place that I am to me? Where Where is where I am as a result of a, 
of a good, powerful, and present God accomplishing on my behalf. So, yeah, we got some some questions on that, and let's throw that thought out to rooms and just have a bit of a chat about that, and we'll come back together and uh, Curtis will lead us into a closing time of worship. But yeah, it's really great to everybody in houses. This feels like such a meaningful way to to gather tonight. So thanks for organizing this, Curtis. I really appreciate it, and yeah, I love you guys a time of worship but before we do i i'd love it if there were um if there were some uh thoughts and reflections in in your rooms that were too good to um too good to pass up on we've got one in our room but i'll let mel um maybe finish with it because i think it'll lead us into some worship but um do we have some did we have some reflections and, and thoughts from that in our um in our room some highlight some highlights You'll have to unmute. Brad's going to unmute there. I see you. As, um, as soon as sort of the question was asked, Zeke was, was awake and was like, ah, I haven't been around long enough to have any of those, so like, I'm out. Don't ask me any questions. Straight away for me, I was like, well, I've got one that you can, I'll share one with you that involves you as well. And it was around, I mean, my part of it was moving to Melbourne years ago without really sort of understanding or knowing what the voice of God was to, to live a life. And part of that's been moving back over here. And like one of our biggest fears moving back was Zeke, but it's like Jesus knew what we needed as a family and coming back over here, it's been a season of really understanding and, and doing a lot of family time and really valuing that family time. And there's every weekend Zeke's like, are we seeing family? Are we seeing family? Are we seeing family? Like literally every weekend doesn't go by without who we're seeing. And it's one of those pictures, it's like, but for Zeke specifically in that, it was like, he wasn't so keen. I mean, none of us were super keen to move back, to be honest, but in a season where we find ourselves now where we spend time with family and value time with family, Jesus knew exactly what we needed. And it was totally because of him and just following him that he sought us up in that way. Yeah. I mean, to see Zeke so satisfied in school and his relationships and so settled here and see this be such a good thing in your life, Zeke, like, this is no question outside you, parked you here for you, and it's like, yeah, there he was, showing up, doing a good fucking life with a young man, yeah. right after the going out, I'm not sure I got one of these, and it's like, that's the point, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's good. Yep. Someone else? Reflections? You got one there, Allie? Sure do. No. <laughs> Me, apparently. Oh, um, good. I, I just, yeah, I guess we're, well, oh, that was texting. Okay. Um, yeah, no, we're just, uh, Kind of similar as Greg's about lungs. Um, I uh, I uh, was sitting at the fire with Archie last night, and I asked him um, uh, like uh, what was the question? Uh, who like what uh, what kind of person do you want to be? And he he looked at me and was like, oh, like you mean for a job? Like you know, like you want policeman, fireman? And I was like, no, no, like what kind of person do you want to be? He he thought for a moment, and then he said, I want to I want to be like dad, and. Uh, uh yeah it just brought like 
but it was a big thankful moment for me because you know um you know most of you know where where we came from was like we we're hurting pretty bad i was a part-time parent but or babysitter would probably be a better term and I didn't have much relationship with him. And I, I just, you know, that was something that I wanted was relationship with um, Archie and with Janessa and for that to be a godly thing and for it to be a representation of, of, um, of God, you know, of like, you know, I'll, I'll, I only see what I see my, I only do what I see my father doing. And I, I think that was just, it, for me, that was just a moment of th such thankfulness of what, what he's doing and ha has done in my life so far. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Cool. It's cool, Ben. Thanks. Yeah. So good. So good. Yeah, our opportunity and, and you know, our opportunity to honor honor God, even with that reflecting that back to him. I want to be like you, you know. Man, what a honoring feeling that is. And that's our opportunity. Yeah to do that as well. I think that's so cool. All right. Anyone else before I get Mel to share a little bit? I'm putting her on the spot, but all right, I'm gonna pass that over. Just pass that to Mel. Um yeah, so we were we were sort of reflecting on different um aspects of honor, I guess, and I think um it was in the study of I'll admit to having not kept up, you know, chronologically with the study. So I've done a little bit over the break. Um, and I can't remember whether it was in Psalms or Romans, but there was a verse that we reflected on where I just felt, um, I just felt like God was really speaking to me that um, when we take moments of faithfulness, that it is, that is, um, yeah, that faithfulness is, is honoring God and, I think I'd always thought of honoring as like honoring with words, but um, any, I felt like he was just encouraging me that any time um, that I walk through a trial or I walk through something hard, or he asked me to do something that I don't particularly want to do. And I come out of that um, with a revelation that I, of him that causes me to have less restriction, less conditions and on, on what he would ask me to do. Um, that that is so honouring of who God is and the bigness and all of his qualities and his goodness and um, honouring of his character. Um, that, yeah, like even if I reflect over the last six months, it's like I've come through a hard period and I come out the other side and all I want to do is say, yes, more God, like remove more of my conditions and restrictions on what I would allow you to do in my life, he, that is um, just so honouring of who he is and the things that he does in my in in life. And um, yeah, we were just kind of talking about how any moment that we defer back to him or we allow him to have his space to speak um, is 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 honouring of him and. Um, is to me the picture is almost like presenting yourself before a, a king and bowing down and offering up your chicken or your eggs or whatever and just putting all those little things that you have in front of him to just say I honour you and and even things like asking for wisdom is so honouring of who he is. 
So, yeah. Yeah, you talked about um, your opportunity. I, I, one of the words stood out for me just because I, we're leading, we're heading into worship and an opportunity to be refined, you know, to let trial and hardship lead us to good things, lead us to the reality of him and what he has for us. And, and um, Chris talked about, um, you know, it's like we need a, we need a pebble in our shoe constantly reminding us and, and James is like, I think we have them. <laughs> I think we have pebbles. We just need to identify them. We have pain. We have struggle. We have things. And if we'd allow like those things to be pebbles in our shoe, it would turn us back towards him. Uh, turn us back towards our need for him. Constantly reminding us. It's like, pick pick one. I don't know. You're old. We're old men. We can find, we can find something, right? We can find, we can find a niggle that can lead us back to something in a knee or something in a hip or something in a back. What if we just let that be our pebble, you know? That's like, I need him, I need him, I need him, I need him. I, I can't, um, yeah. Anyway, we're gonna, we're gonna worship a little bit, couple songs and then, um, and then we'll end from there. So we're just gonna do two songs, just encourage you to head into worship and then you can um, close in prayer in your own rooms. Um, I'll just leave a little bit of background music on, but, um, this will be the end of our formal time together. So um, thanks for thanks for being with us and um, and together with us. We'll be back together next week for afternoons and we'll be communicating about things going forward. But we are in the middle of week four uh, in your study. So if you've got the study and you're holding on to it, we are in the middle of week four. So keep keep rolling in that and um, and um, have a great if you uh, have a great yeah midweek catch up with your groups. And we will um, we will see you back um, at Golden Valley's next Sunday afternoon. All right. So let's just worship, Lord. We want to be um, we want to acknowledge you. Yeah, and yet um, there is a piece of us that also just that also doesn't and wars against that. Father, the flesh and the spirit are in in conflict and so we ask that you would come even in this worship time and you would remind us of our opportunity to acknowledge you to let the things of life point us towards you and we're grateful